This is Trail Tales, a running podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean Soban and David Waters. We'll discuss everything to do about running. It doesn't matter if you're a new runner or an experienced racer. The stories and guests at Trail Tales ARP will keep you entertained. From the trails to the road to the track. If it's running, find it right here on Trail Tales ARP. Run wild! So I got to tell you, in honor of having you here, I went to the the LCBO, which is our uh, it stands for the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. That's where they sell all our wine and, and spirits and everything. I picked up a bottle of Yellowtail Merlot. Oh 20, yeah, 2019 from the Casella family in Australia. Have you ever had yeah, that? Yeah, man, that is that is good. We drink it all the time. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like yellow. It's a yellow label. It's got a kangaroo on it. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff, man. It's yeah, good stuff. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I'm not. Uh, I'm not quite the connoisseur like you are, but <laughs> I do enjoy a nice glass of red every once in a while. Man, I I said it a million times on the Wine Chat podcast. Like Steve was the uh, the wine guru. I just knew how to open the bottle and drink it. Yeah, I'm in that. I'm in that boat. <laughs> that was that was my extent of um. You know, I and and because like Steve would like get really into every wine you know and and like right down to the molecules in the bottle whereas i was like oh yeah it tastes pretty good yeah, <laughs> you know <yeah>. it's like <laughs> so actually i've been trying to um because it's that time of the year when uh the beaujolais nouveau is released okay. uh, each year so i've been trying to get hold of him and the sandman to uh to knock out a wine chat podcast so um watch this space you never know we've been doing one a year for the last couple of years so we're about to yeah i'm looking forward to that i, I know you mentioned that on your last show and those shows are always good fun i enjoy listening to them you guys have great talks, yeah so it'll be good it'll be good Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Trail Tales ARP. I'm your host, John Sobon. You just heard me and Coach Jeff chatting a little bit about wine, just a teaser for things to come. Jeff has been a podcaster since 2007 and I've been happy to call him my friend since 2012. I started listening to him back then when I started running and I haven't looked back. He is a wealth of information and knowledge and he's more than happy to share that with us today. He's been a podcaster since 2007 and he's been coaching people since 1983. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Coach Jeff of The Running Podcast. Run wild. So my congratulations on your show, eh? Oh, thanks so much. You know, I, uh, in all honesty, I owe this to you. you. You had put that out there a number of years ago. And I took you up on the offer and we had a chat and uh, I never really pulled the trigger on it. And then about a year and a half, well, not even a year and a half ago, just over a year ago, um, I met up with uh, with my buddy Dave Waters and we we had been running together and stuff. And up until that point, I'd just been running on my own and we had great conversations while we were running. And I said, have you ever wanted to start a podcast? And he says, absolutely. I said, okay, let's do it. So um that's kind of what we did you know and I kind of looked for the cheap and easy way and I found Anchor and and we've been producing it through there and um you know I went back I still have my notes that I took when uh, I had my conversation with you so you know the whole having a website and everything so um my wife Leah helped develop our website and we put the podcast up on there and it's pretty good the Anchor I don't like recording on it with through the app because I've had too many issues with the with the quality of the audio where the 
where we end up talking over each other and I don't hear it until I get to the playback, you know, and then I record yeah. a whole episode with yeah. the guest and it's like, ah, so I, I really don't yeah. want to put out, you know, crappy quality. Um, so I've, I've started using zoom because I found that uh, the audio is a little bit better on it. Yeah. A bit more look, man, I, at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, um, I, I say to everyone, man, look, I don't care what the subject is. You know, if you feel like you want to produce content, just produce it, you know? And I think the more the merrier there, there's like, there's so much content out there now, but I still think there's, um, there's room for, you know, for the, the Joe blows like you and I, you know, mm. just the, the simple guys that are just, man, we're just doing what we do. And it's like when someone said, well, how, how does a, a posty bike podcast fit in with a Muay Thai podcast, fit in with a running podcast? Well, so, man, like, hang on, you got to understand, all I'm doing is I'm just sharing, you know, my, my, my things that I'm doing, Yeah. you know? So, you know, and I think that's the key behind it, man. Don't ever worry too much about the quality either. I think, like, at the end of the day, um, the thing that I've learned, man, is people go for the content. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll consume content, even if it's crappy audio. It's like when I, you know, I interview people and, and they're like, oh, hang on a sec. I'll lock the dogs away and, and quieten the kids down. I'm like, no, nah, leave it all there, man. If the kids wander in, they wander in. Like to me, that adds to, it, it shows people that we're just real people. You know, we're just, you know, we're, um, we're not in a, a $100 million studio with the latest high tech gear. We're not. You know, we're not trying to be, you know, the CNNs of the world. We're just, you know, we're just mugs with a with a microphone and a and a dream to knock out some content, man. Absolutely, and you know what? I think that's that's what makes your show so great, or all of your shows. But uh, it's it's the authenticity behind it. Because I'll tell you, when I first started listening to you back in 2012, just shortly after I started running, um, you know, I heard your first show and. You, you feel, I felt like I was part of the conversation with you. You know what I mean? And, and then I figured I'd, I'd reach out to you one time and email you and, you know, you were reachable, which, which is the thing that I really enjoy about podcasts is when you can access the host and they're there with you one-on-one, -on -one, you know what I mean? It's, it mm -hmm. just, it makes you more invested as a listener, I think. And, and you get more out of it that way. And yeah, and you've mm -hmm. done a great job with that. So speaking. Oh, thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. It's it's the truth, man. So speaking of, you know, putting out content and everything, you I would consider you a podcaster extraordinaire because you have, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read them off here. I have to write them all down. And if I miss one, you have to let me know. So you have the running podcast, the Muay Thai podcast, the fighters podcast, the triathlon podcast, mountain bike podcast, the cyclocross podcast, the power up podcast, which I love. The Wine Chat Podcast, another amazing yearly event, and the Posty Bike Podcast. And you also put out a book last year, which was a labor of love, I know, for you, was Running for Donuts, which is the best title of a book ever. And, and all of these things are available at your website at coachjeff.com.au. So you, you do put out quite a bit of content. These are things that interest you. And I'll tell you, as a runner and, you know, your running podcast is the primary one I listen to, but I do consume all of the content you put out because it's interesting. And, and like I said, you're authentic and you're reachable. So I'm definitely um, interested in everything that you do put out. So you, you have something there for sure. You know, I, the, the one thing that, that I, and I get, this goes right back to uh, how I got involved and I tell the story all the time. I wrote it in the book. You know, I tell the story about, you know, I, um, 
my two boys gave me an iPod shuffle for Christmas one year. And I'm like, well, what? Are, okay. And I knew MP3 players and I was like, okay, I can put music on that. And I said, well, what, what can I do with this thing? You know? And the boys looked at me like, well, you go into iTunes. I said, what, what, what's an iTunes, you know? And they showed me iTunes and it's like, you can get all this music and everything on iTunes. And I'm like me being the person that never wants to spend a dollar. I went looking around, I found this podcast thing and it's like, whoa, there's all this stuff, you know, there's all this stuff where you can go and listen and learn. And the very first uh, guy that I heard was, um, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but then the next episode I downloaded was Steve Runner, the Fidipidations podcast. And Steve kept me company through so many miles. Like a lot of us, I just run on my own. You know, I'd head out the door and go and do my own thing. Sometimes I run with Mrs. Coach. Sometimes I run with a group. But when we left uh, country New South Wales behind and we moved up here to Brisbane, a lot of my running's just been on my own. So Steve was in my ear keeping me company and I felt like he was running there with me. And so that set the tone for everything I've ever done in podcasting. If I can just produce a little bit of content that helps you or somebody else get a little bit further down the road, keep you a little bit of company while you're getting your training done, maybe keep your company on the way to work or the way home or you know, it just, you know, just provides something to get you to the next point. That's what it's been all about, you know, and, um, you know, so hence I talk about running or I talk about mountain biking or wine or Muay Thai, anything that I'm doing at the time, I just share with people and um, I, I don't talk about it like I'm an authority on it. I just talk about it. Hey, this is me having a crack at this. And if people enjoy it, you know, great. And, and if it helps them, great. Yeah. And, and that's what it's all about, you know, and, and people definitely do enjoy it. It does help them because you hear about it all the time. And and one of the things I really enjoy that you do is, you know, you usually open up a lot of your shows either from the treadmill or from the road. And and it really kind of puts that feeling that you are running alongside each other, you know? Oh, true. Well, that's what Steve did, Steve. And when you go back and and listen to those very early shows of Fidipidations, it was pretty much Steve, training for marathons, running the roads around Oxford and Boston. And, uh, you know, I would have that going in my ears for hours. And some of those shows, those earlier shows of his, I've listened to 10, 20 times, you know, um, and it, it's kept me company. And, and look, when I hear people like you saying that you felt like I was there and, you know, like running alongside, that's what I've always tried. And that's why I'm always been accessible. One of the things that's driven me mad over the years is not being able to get um, you know, access to people to not, you know, I don't know how to, how to describe it, you know, like you just want to, um, make contact. And I've always tried to be, uh, accessible and try and answer people's questions. It's, it's killed me at times. Like, you know, we've all heard the stories on the show of some of the, the email problems that we've had when I got swamped, you know, I was getting, you know, a thousand emails a day, not because I'm any good or special, but I was just being spammed that much, you know, it was like, but every email that I get, uh, somewhere along the line, I'll get back to that person, you know, and that's, that's, um, that's just what I choose to do because I really mean it when I say like, uh, whether it's you up there, um, or the people down the other end of the world or across that side of the, the little blue bubble to quote Steve Runner, um, you know, uh, the, the, every single person is as important to me as, as, you know, anyone. So, yeah. And it, it's, it's so important too, you know, um, being, being accessible, like you said, and 
you know, I, I recently talked about, you know, with somebody, they said, well, how, you know, is your podcast successful? And, you know, how do you measure the success? Like how many listeners you have? And I said, it's, it's, it's not really about how many listeners you have or how many downloads you get. I said, I don't care if it's, if it's, you know, five people listening to the show or a thousand people listening to the show. What I, what I consider success is having interactions with the audience and, and the quality of those interactions. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had listeners come on the show and stuff and, and that's what's important. Like you said, it's the little blue bu bubble, as you said, and I think I've used that on the show before too, I've stolen that from you. And then I guess from Steve really by proxy, but it's, it's that quality of interaction and meeting new people and hearing their stories. To me, that's a success because it, it, it selfishly, it motivates me to keep doing the podcast. It motivates me to go, get out there and run on days that I may not necessarily want to run. And uh, it's so important. And the other point I wanted to make while it's on the tip of my brain here is that, you know, we talked about running and, and uh, recording at the same time. And I think you know, for, for runners, I don't know if this is probably common for a lot of us. We have our best ideas sometimes when we're running and our mind is just processing thoughts and ideas and feelings oh, yeah. Yeah. and you get inspired when you're running. So why not record those down while you're out there, while they hit you? Because a lot of times you get back from your run and, and those, that inspiration might leave you. It could be fleeting, you know, but if you do it in the yeah. moment, you have it, you know? Yeah. Look, I honestly, man, running for me, um, I think running, is a thread through so much of what I do, but there, um, some runs can be funny. Some runs can be motivating. Some runs can be uh, very meditative. Um, you know, I've, uh, I, I've resolved a lot of things on runs. I've, I've thought of a lot of things on runs and you're so, you're so right, man. It's, um, running's a, um, running's a, and, and cycling was the other thing for me. Like, you know, uh, I found freedom on a push bike when I was just like a tiny little punk kid. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, you know, the joy that I get being on two wheels and, and now with motorbikes, you know, it's like the, the, but, but really the joy that I get on two wheels on a push bike, being able to go long distances under your own power, running has similarities to that in, in so much as you can, you know, you can go out the door and just run one or two easy miles and, and, and that, and be happy with that. But the days when, you know, I, I was running, you know, sort of 20, 30 miles, you know, um, the, the amount of stuff that goes through your head uh, is just, it's incredible, but it can be very pleasurable. You know, it's like freedom, the ability to just go out the front door, turn left or right and just go, you know, yeah. and, and go for hours if you want to love it. Absolutely uh, love it. Absolutely. A nice, a nice run has really, you know, brought me out of a lot of bad, bad, funky moods in the past and, and continues to do so. And, and even, and even cycling, you're right. Um, you know, two years ago, I lost my dad. And, and one of the days that I had a lot of healing was I just told my wife, I said, I'm going out on a bike ride. And I went out and, you know, I was gone for several hours and I just, I didn't have a destination. I just rode right into the country and mm -hmm. I stopped at some points and, we live in a, in a small town now. We moved up from the big city of Mississauga to a small town in Shelburne. It's like 8,000 people here, but we're surrounded by farmland and very hilly terrain. So it's great for, it's great for training, for running, for, for cycling. And, you know, just getting out there on the bike and, and going farther than I normally would on my two feet um, was, was very therapeutic for me. And it does offer that as well. It's so much cheaper than therapy. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. And I've got to say, um, you know, uh, you you have given me inspiration 
and many wow. others over the years because and well you have because i you know i think back to different things that we've done on the running podcast we'd like run for the sun and stuff like that and i know with your job um you know you were tied to a location with a very important job servicing the community and those times when you were running in the courtyard of, of where you were based uh in a uniform in boots uh to get miles done man how could i not you go for a run the next day you know what i mean like it's it's uh you know running can inspire not only yourself but it, uh, you know what you do can inspire so many other people oh, well thank you so much for that jeff you know I, i've smartened up over the years and now i have uh an older pair of uh of running shoes that i keep with me at work so i don't run in the boots anymore because <laughs> i was getting some blisters on my feet so so if the timing is right, I'll switch up into my different shoes. And even in the summertime, I'll, I'll go to work with my running shorts on underneath my uniform pants. And I, you know, I'd strip down real quick and do a run. And then if something happens, I can get dressed really quick and go. So thank you yeah, for that. I, I appreciate man. that. I had no idea. That man. Was so. I, it does, man. It's like, you know, I, um, and, and to go back a step, you know, when I, you were talking about numbers, you know, and I, I've had that question a million times over the years. I, you know, the biggest question, I, 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 do you make money with that thing? And I'm like, you know, and I have to agree with you. And, and look, I tell the story, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, and we have a phrase here that, you know, both Steve and I, you know, think we're kind of a big deal, yeah. um, you know, and we, I tell the story all the time when, you know, Steve started podcasting in about 2000 and five and on uh, somewhere around there and i kicked off sort of 2006 into 2007 so you know we were in the early days and so when i got to sort of 2008 2009 2010 i was ranking in the top three on itunes every week you know and we had hundreds of thousands of downloads and all of a sudden you know uh, steve and i and many others back in that day we thought oh man we're going to make millions here you know we're, yeah. we're the next big thing we're the rock stars of podcasting you know yeah. and we really did start to believe our own uh press um but i i i soon quickly learned that exactly what you said is how i feel about my podcasting these days i would rather just have half a dozen people listening that I can interact with and I, I can invest in, in, in their lives and they can invest in mine and the content can help them and they can help me. That is for me way more important than, you know, that those days when, you know, you just, you look and you go, man, I could fill a football stadium 10 times over with the amount of people listening into the show. And, and so you're a hundred percent right, man. It's, um, you know, podcasting is, uh, you know, for those professional shows, those network shows that uh, are highly produced, you know, it's, it's like when I hear people talking about a show and they have a producer and they have this and they have that. And I'm like, man, it's just me. <laughs> I'm sitting here at the desk. I'm doing a lot. Yeah. You know, I, 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 re I record the show. I produce the show. I, I do all the technical, you know what I mean? And it, it, it makes me chuckle when I hear people talking about teams of people and I'm like, yeah, we, I, I went through that phase, but I'm with you, man. I'm 100% with you. I'd rather just have half a dozen people listening that I know are getting some value out of the content. And, and, and you know, we, we had that backwards and forwards interaction where we're both bouncing off each other. That, to me, is much more important. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's you know, that's the name of the game for me as well. And, 
you know, even with, with the Coach Jeff podcast and the running podcast, and you mentioned the run for Sun, for me, that still remains the highlight of my running year. Our running streak in June is it's just so much fun. And, and the main reason it's the highlight for me, it's not that I'm, you know, doing a, a running streak for 30 days. It's, it's the interaction that we all have together online and through the running group on Strava. And, you know, I know Ollie Robinson just sat down to have a chat with you and we've been uh, interacting on Strava. We follow each other and there's a few other other of the running podcast tribe that I have on Strava. So it's really great to kind of keep in touch with with other members of the audience. And that's one of the reasons why I recently asked my audience, you know what, send in some emails, send in some questions. I want to do, do a Q&A show with, with the listeners here so we can all kind of get to know each other a little bit and become familiar with each other because I know how much I've gotten out of that um, from the from the running podcast tribe, you know, and it, it carries on with you throughout your life too. And, and not just in running. And, um, you know, for example, I want to get into your, into your, uh, to your background here, your athletic background. And coach, you've been, you've been a coach and you've been training people since 1983 and not not to make you feel old, but just to put it in perspective, I was born in 81. So (laughs) when I was was selling diapers, you were, you were out there training people. (laughs) Oh man, I feel old now, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't my intention, but anyway. Um, so let's go into it because we, we have a few things in common here because, you know, I'm, I also started Taekwondo about three and a half, four years ago and, you know, COVID kind of derailed my black belt testing. So I'm at the, the Poom level mm-hmm. in the black stripe. So hopefully that will be happening this summer if all goes well, but, um, you've got a pretty extensive fighting background with, with martial arts, with boxing, kickboxing. And I'm, I'm taking this right off your website here because I want to be accurate, but you've had 108 fights. And in 1966, you were the junior state uh, champion. And in 2016, and I know you podcasted about this, you're the senior state champion. And um, you've, you have a black belt in Shotokan karate, and you've been in 38 contact tournaments. Um, so let's, let's talk about that. I'll stop there. We'll continue down the list after. But, but martial arts is, is another thing we have in common. And like you said, running kind of threads its way through your life and, and, even with the martial arts running is still an important part of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look, I look at, um, you know, it's so funny. I, I list all that stuff on there mainly to remind myself at times what I've done because like I, I, I 64 years old next time around. Um, but I still feel like I'm 24 in my head and yeah. I feel like I've got so much more I want to do. And uh, I still got so much fire in my belly, you know, to, to do things when I'm 74 and 84 and 94, 104, you know, like, but when I look back at all that stuff I've done, oh man, it, it's been crazy. But the common thread, whether you're doing Taekwondo or Muay Thai or boxing or martial arts, or, you know, when I look back at, you know, in my past life, uh, you know, working in corrections where, you know, I was on a tactical team, you know, uh, running was a huge part of what we did. Uh, even in that arena so you know there's a thread of running through the whole thing and um yeah mate i i I tell you what it's a little bit of pride to 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 pull off a junior state championship and a a senior state championship uh, that far apart is something that um will live with me for a long time um i don't know man it's just i i just love it i just love being a part of something and i'm not frightened to try new things um you know like um, and, and I tell the story and I think if you go back and listen to episodes of the Muay Thai podcast, 
uh, the old guy Muay Thai episodes, I, I try to detail a bit of my fight history in that. And, and it's been a succession of like, you know, I boxed from when I was like a punk kid of about eight year old. I think I was when I first got sent to uh, the Police Citizens Youth Club. PCYC or the Police Boys Club at Parramatta in New South Wales country, uh, uh, New South Wales, uh, Sydney city of New South Wales. And, um, you know, and so, you know, and then your only reason I was a boxer was because you marched in straight lines and the sergeant put one that way to wrestling and one that way to boxing. And I just happened to be sent to box. I could have been a wrestler for all we know, mate. Could have been, you know, well, who knows where I would have been, but you know, I, uh, I went to boxing and so, you know, I boxed until, you know, I was sort of in my mid-teens and then in and out of it. And then, you know, um, I, I met people that got me introduced into into martial arts and grappling and then karate. Uh, and then I worked for a karate school full-time. It was a seven-day-a-week job. You know, we would, uh, we would train for, for four to five hours a day and then we would walk the streets of an afternoon selling club memberships uh, and go back at night and sign up families into the karate club. Um, and, uh, that was seven days a week, Saturday and Sundays, we had to take classes and deliver seminars. And, um, you know, so that was where I accumulated all that karate experience. Um, you know, and, uh, and then as an older guy, I wanted to go back and go back to boxing again. And cause I've always had a love for kickboxing and Muay Thai. And so that's become another passion of mine. And it's, what can I say, man? It's just like, if, I just love to be a part of something. Um, and I'm not frightened of a challenge I, and, and I'm not necessarily any good at any one of those, but you know, those athletic endeavors, but, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a real participator, man. I love uh, whether I'm good at it or not. doesn't matter to me. The fact that I love doing it and just want to get in there and have a crack at it is more important to me, especially when you look at the amount of fights I've had. And, and that's a win loss record that not too many would brag about because it, there's uh, probably way, way more losses amongst all that than wins but uh, uh, you know and, and if i look at my my recent history you know i'm coming off a string of five six losses in a row now and i've been beat up pretty bad in some of those fights over the last couple of years but man i'd jump back over the ropes uh, tomorrow if there's a chance i hear you and, and that's so important because it, and it you know that win loss um record that translates into life with with every everything you you do um, you got to try it, whether you're good at it or not. I think it's important to put yourself into it hundred percent and whether you win or lose doesn't really matter. It's what's you, t- what you take from the experience and keep moving forward. You've been listening to my conversation with coach Jeff from the running podcast, Sam, this challenge is for you. If you're running right now and listening to my voice, start sprinting, pick up those legs. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Go, 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 go. Come on. It's only been like three seconds. You're almost there. Great job. Let's get back to the show, everybody. When I start getting comfortable with something, I know that it's time for me to try something new because you don't want to get stagnant, right? You always want to try to grow and try something different. And I think everybody should have experiences in all sorts of things, right? Whether it's, you know, you're, you're a marathon runner and that's your main thing. Why not try something else just to see, see what it's like? Cause you can still run. Like there have been um, times in my running life where, you know, when I was really um, coming up the ranks in, in the Taekwondo school, 
where I was like, okay, well, I still run, but running's not my primary focus now. My, my martial arts is, right? And running is still very much a part of my life and part of my training, but it wasn't my main priority at that time, right? So now it's kind of because of the, the coronavirus and everything and all the restrictions for the past, you know, well, since March, things had shut down. So back to running is my primary thing and running will always be there for us. Right. So um, martial arts has started up again, but I know my my belt grading is not going to happen for a number of months. So I'm still involved in the school. I help teach the uh, the three and four year olds, which is which is a handful, but it's so much fun. And after having not seen them for a number of months and see them come back, we were surprised at how many people came back. We thought maybe people aren't going to come back to the school, but so, so many people came back and the kids grew up and they listened and they matured so much over those few months. It was amazing to see. Awesome, man. And you don't you learn so much by teaching? Oh, so much, so much. Uh, you know, when uh, when I first started doing it, I thought like, okay, I have, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just got to fake it till I make it. But uh, you get into routine and you start to learn, learn the kids and and you see them um, you see them develop. And it keeps you accountable, too, because when it comes to your pumse or your patterns and stuff, you have to learn those. And I definitely need to brush up on that because that's kind of been put on the back burner too for myself. Right. But now that, um, you know, some belt gradings are going to be happening for the younger kids and the, and the, the newer belts, um, you know, I have to, I have to brush up on it as well to help teach them. So you, you See, do, learn, I love you about do learn. coaching. Yeah. I love that about coaching, man, because it's like, you know, I, uh, and I, and I'm kind of one of those coaches, like, you know, I'm more likely to be out there on the field with the team, yeah. you know, and it, it's, it's like, I'm not a, I'm not that kind of coach where it's like, oh, you know, just go and do this. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a suit and tie type of coach from the sidelines. I'm more likely to be out there amongst it. And, uh, and that's why I love doing what I do. And as you find, you know, you, it, it keeps you honest because it's like, if I'm, if I'm talking to someone or trying, if I go back to karate, for example, you know, and, and we talk about, you have patterns, we have kata, um, you know, and it's no point trying to teach somebody a kata if you're not constantly practicing that yourself so that it's a natural you know it's a natural thing for you to do um and so that's why i love about coaching man is and and why i continue to stay in the coaching game because it keeps me it it gives me like i just did a show this morning about self-discipline um because one of the things i'm finding as i get older and uh, chunkier and uh, spending more time on the end of the couch of doom (laughs) with a beer in my hand uh which is great um but uh you know I've got to keep going back to all the things that make me self-disciplined. Um, and one of those things is coaching because by coaching, it puts pressure on me to be up to at least the standard, if not higher of the people that I'm trying to teach, if that makes sense. And um, you can't not be in the game and try and teach someone about the game. Yeah. And you know what, that, that makes absolute sense. And uh, you know, it, it is so important to, as a coach, like for me is as an athlete, or even if I have somebody that I've taken under my wing to coach along, it's so important to get down into the, into the trenches with them and, and motivate them and show them that, you know what, this is hard. It's hard for me too, but we're going to do it together. And I'm here with you along the way. And, you know, it re- really helps. And, and man, you touched on self-discipline and that's kind of been something I've, I've really been talking about lately because, that's what's going to keep you consistent. That's what's going to get you through the times that your motivation is low when you don't feel like you have the energy or anything like that. Right. And I know you're, you're getting into summer now and you're part of the world and and we're getting into winter and uh, winter months. It's, there's so many excuses to not go outside and run. 
you know, oh, it's snowing, it's cold, it's raining, I'm tired, it's it's dark at 4 p.m., <laughs> you know, like all those things. Mm. And uh, it's it's that self-discipline that's going to keep you going. And, you know, I've had to really dig deep lately and uh, tap into my into my self-discipline to, to keep me consistent with, with running and things like that, too, because the motivation has been on a downswing lately. So that self-discipline will keep you going. And whether or not, you know, you're enjoying it, um, is, is, is really important, but it's, it's not key. As long as you're being mm. consistent, it'll get you through that, through that valley. And then eventually that joy and that motivation will come back. And when it does, you'll know that this is important. I got to ride this wave for as long as it lasts, because eventually I'll be down in another valley again, but I want to get through it. You don't want to stop. You don't want to lose everything you've done and you don't want to uh, fall out of touch with, with, with it. Right. Yeah. Look, there's so many cliche sayings. I was talking to someone yeah. about this the other day, you know, that, that someone said something about, oh, that's a bit cliche. And I said, well, you understand that cliches are there for a reason. And a lot of cliches are founded in wisdom. And and like, you know, there's one that says some days are diamonds. And you have to understand that, especially if you look at your running or your taekwondo, uh, look, I'm sure, you know, and, uh, and, and you eventually will get to be graded. Um, you know, this year will pass. Things will get back to some sort of normal, the way they talk about it now, and you'll get to your grading. But, I am sure that if you went back and looked at every single day of your training to take you to that black belt grading, not every single one of those days went perfectly. Not every single one of them were, uh, you know, 1000% enjoyable. You had a whole heap of obstacles and, and, and hurdles along the way, but I guarantee you can pick the days when it was just an absolute joy. You had a blast. You felt like you were on fire. You were strong. You, 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 you were all over this Taekwondo thing, you know, like, grade me now i'm ready to go coach you know what i mean yeah um but and as soon as you understand that it's the long haul uh it's it's the you know the, again big cliche if we want to say that the journey the trip the, the 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 way you get there as soon as you understand that not every single run is going to be that magic run not every single session of taekwondo is going to be that magic session um, you start to come to grips with the whole thing. Well, hey, th- I've just got to have some bad days to get to the good days. Absolutely. And, you know, th- and you're so right, man. You're so right. And once you get your head around that, it's like, okay, well, and look, I've said it a million times, and I, I can remember um, uh, Craig Alexander, Crowey Alexander, one of our greatest Australian triathletes ever. Um, and I can remember listening to him talk one day, and he was saying that, there are days when he feels like it's not happening for him, but he goes out and starts the training session anyway. And what he does, he gives himself 10, 15, 20 minutes of that training session. And if it comes to pass, he pushes on and completes a training session. If it doesn't, he cuts his losses. He goes home. He doesn't beat himself up about it. He regroups and gets ready for the next training session. Mm-hmm. And I, I think way too many of us, we have one bad day and we pull the pin. Yeah. And we don't yeah. need to. So you're hundred percent right, man. Yeah. And by doing that, you know, you, we're really selling ourselves short and uh, you know, my wife, she's one of the, one of the main instructors at the Taekwondo school and she's uh, she's got her second Dan now. She got that, I think a year and a half ago after having her first Dan for 20 years. Uh, the owner of the school, Bernie, he's a great guy. He's about your age. He convinced her that to, to grade for her second Dan and, and keep progressing. So she did it. It was really neat to watch her testing and, 
and her dad came to watch it, which was, which was really cool. Cause he was there her, for her first one. And, you know, she, she always says, just trust the process when people are struggling or they're not getting something with body mechanics or whatever. She goes, just trust the process and, and have faith in that. And you'll get to where you need to go. And that's what I kind of tell myself when I'm, when I'm struggling with whatever, right. The, the spinning hook kick is, is such a hard one to do. And even just a, a back kick is so difficult, you know, but Mate, wait till you get to 64. There's no spinning stuff whatsoever, man. I'm just straight forward <laughs> and straight back now. It's like, uh, yeah. but you're so right, you know. And look, don't worry, man. You know, your wife is uh, is at the top of the game there. You're a shoo-in for a black belt, mate. Come on. Exactly, like, just, really. you know, just, just gotta... hey, wifey. Hey, wifey, please look after me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, a, a, an important thing on that point is, uh, and I was talking about this to some young guys at training the other night. And even to this day, I still go back to basics. If I'm struggling, you know, I go out there into the shed. I've got my little three-meter mat area, and I just go over basics. I, I get into a basic fighting stance that that's comfortable for me and works for me, covers all the basics. I've got a good high guard, elbows tucked in, and I just move around slowly, just going through my stance. Now, people don't do that sort of thing. They're, they're always trying to get onto the next, you know, the next technique, the next, you know, the next spinning heel kick, you know, it's like, but yeah. sometimes you just got to, if you find you're struggling, go right back to basics, man. And, and just spend some time just building on those basic building blocks of your sport, whether it's Taekwondo, karate, boxing, Muay Thai, running, cycling, whatever it is. Sometimes you just got to go back and just cover the basics and that in itself um, humbles you and gives you great uh, momentum to get back onto, onto your programming. So true. So true. And, um, you know, it, I kind of had a moment two, two nights ago, we're talking about, you know, going back to basics and, and persevering through struggles and whatnot. But uh, I was out on the, I was out in my garage on the treadmill and uh, I was out there. I wanted to do a 5k and, you know, I got about, I don't know, like one mile into the run and I don't know what it was. Well, I think it was partly I've been eating all the kids Halloween candy. So that's been bad, but I had to walk coach. I just, I didn't have it. Like my legs wouldn't go. I didn't have, mm. it's not like I was out of breath. I just, no energy, no, no go. I don't know what it was, but uh, maybe bad gas in the tank. But so I walked and I said, okay, I'll try to run again. And I did a run walk for the, you know, for my distance. And then I was like, wow, it was, it was just odd for me to feel that way. And I thought, you know, well, my diet's been crap. I'm running on the treadmill, which doesn't help. And, uh, you know, just low, low motivation, I guess. But uh, I went through the motions kind of, you know, back to basics, run, walk. And then, you know, the next run I had was outside. I happened to be at work, by the way, so I was running around. But um, I felt I felt lively again after that, you know. So whatever, whatever it was that day in the garage had passed and uh, feeling back to myself. So it's just strange how that yeah. happens. But like you said, it does. And, and uh, yeah. And the thing is just, you know, you just observe it. Yeah. Just observe it, let it roll under the wheels and, and get onto the next one, you know? And, and I think, you know, we, we, we overanalyze too much these days, mm. um, you know, and, and yeah, you need to look at that run and, and like, you know, you've probably identified already. It was maybe a bit of bad fuel in the tank. Um, you know, it could have been a, a bit of uh, delayed fatigue. It could have just been, it, it could have been one of a million things, but just observe it, have a quick look at it try and identify some, but let it roll under the wheels and way too many people would then spend the next week breaking down that, 
poor performance mm-hmm. and miss the opportunity to have three or four really good performances. Yeah, you know, and absolutely. and look, it's happened to me a million times. You know, if I'm not feeling it, I, I, and one of my greatest tricks I've ever used is pole to pole, I call it. And okay. uh, it, no matter where you are in the world, there's a string of telegraph poles or street signs or letterboxes on a street. You know, and and whenever I've been really struggling, I go, okay, well, I'll just go letterbox to letterbox. I'll run one, walk one, jog one. I just go, you know what I mean? And and you know, you still. You come back feeling like, you know, and some of my greatest speed work has just been pole to pole work, you know. So, yeah, yeah just let it roll on under your baby and get on to the next one, man. Absolutely. If you're on Strava, why not join the Trail Tales ARP Strava running group and become part of our community? You can also join us at trail underscore tales underscore ARP on Instagram, or you can email us at trailtalesarp at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions and we'll definitely put them on the show. Let's get back to the final part of my talk with Coach Jeff. Run wild. I'm going to I'm going to mention um your your races, your recorded races cuz I know there is that one year 2012 you did 12 marathons in 12 months, a marathon a month. And I know, uh, I guess you had some, some, some people had emailed you or said, you know, if it's, if it's not a registered race, it's not a marathon. You're like, screw you. If it's (laughs) it's 42.2, it's a marathon. I don't care who you are. And you're true. I I agree with you. But um, so you've done in your running career so far, 76 half marathons, 105 marathons and 14 ultras. I don't know if those numbers have changed since you updated your site, but uh, those, those are a lot of runs. And, I wanted to ask you when, when you started running or when you ran your first half or your first marathon, how did you transition into the different distances? Oh man, you know, and not to be flippant about it, but I'm not smart enough to, to accurately identify that I was ready to go to the half marathon or the marathon. Okay. Uh, a lot of my running has been uh, through experiences, experiences of being around other people. So if you if you read my book, Running for Donuts, you'll know that as a as a young punk kid, um, there was an Olympic athlete uh, would run the streets of my local area. I didn't know he was an Olympic athlete. I just he was just this you know this dude that had these funny looking short shorts on with these high tech funny looking socks and shoes. And he was he he stuck out in the western suburbs of, of Sydney where I live, a very sort of blue collar, working class area where everybody wore uh, work pants and work boots and work shirts. You know, everybody worked in the big engineering firms. To see a guy in high tech running gear who had been travelling the world racing, um, was unusual. And uh, you know, at I was at a stage where I was running to and from school mainly to to run. So I didn't get beat up on the way to or from school, you know, by uh, Jock McDougall, a kid that used to just take great delight in pounding on our heads. Um, and I remember one day this guy chased Jock and a whole bunch of other kids off. I got to know him. Um, and consequently, then uh, I started to run to the Police Boys Club, which was about, uh, if I think from Guildford to Granville, it's about maybe three and a half miles, four miles, something like that. Um, and so then I found out he used to work out at the, at the club. So, uh, you know, he then, he, he was the one that got me running distance. 
because at that time I was playing soccer as a, as a kid, I was cycling. Um, so the only running I did really outside of all that was, it was either running at soccer training or running to and from school. So I didn't get beat up. Um, and then, so he was the one that led me into running these distances. Okay. So over the years, I started to tackle a few uh, events because um, at, at school, I entered everything. If I went to the school athletics carnival, I entered everything from the 100-meter sprint to the 200, the 400, the 1500, the 800. I did everything because I just wanted to be part of everything. And I wasn't really good at any one thing, maybe except the, the, the 400 and the 1500. Um, so I was doing all these different events, doing different distances, um, but then we moved, uh, you know, got married and, uh, you know, we moved to country New South Wales, uh, a place called Wagga Wagga in New South Wales. And, uh, and so Wagga Wagga had this huge running community, the Wagga Wagga Road Runners Club. Um, and, um, you know, I ran with that group and this is why I always say sometimes it's, it's, it's a group that gets you to what, you know, to what you want to do or what you end up doing. And so we used to go to this Wagga Wagga Roadrunners group and we'd meet once a week for a group run, uh, for, for like a, a community run. And then every Sunday morning, this was such a huge group in this small country town that they would have three runs, an A group, a B group and a C group. And the A group would go, you know, 35 to 40 kilometers. The B group would go 25 to 30 kilometers. And the, the C group would go, you know, sort of 15 to 20K. And we'd all meet back at a, a location where we'd have coffee and toast. And so I started with the C group. So all of a sudden, uh, here I was running, you know, 5 or 10K for training. And just by being part of that C group with this large running club, all of a sudden I'm running, you know, 15 to 20K on a Sunday morning every Sunday morning oh. and it wasn't before long that, you know, I lost a few pounds. I got fit, got faster. And one day I, I was like, one of the guys is like, Oh, I'm going to move up to the B group on Sunday. And I'm like, well, I'll come with you. <laughs> so all of a sudden I, I did this. I, I'll never forget. I did this Sunday run and I ran 30 K. I didn't know anyone could run 30 K. I, I just, who runs 30? I didn't even drive 30 K. <laughs> and then you know and then this guy's like oh let's move up to the a group and you know next thing we were running with the a group and we were running like 35k every sunday morning over hill over dale we would just run across the countryside through paddocks over fences we would take turns on the saturday night driving all over the district leaving huge bottles of water uh, under trees for us to drink on the way around. And that's why I come back to late in later years. You heard me talk about on the running podcast about doing three or four hour runs on water only, because I learned back in those days that you could go and run 35 Ks on just a, a mouthful of water. Absolutely. You didn't need a, you didn't need a pocket full of gels and, and 38 bottles of Gatorade. So a lot of those distances come about because I was hanging around with people that that's just what we did. So I never really knew I was ready for a half marathon. I can never, I'll always remember my first half marathon and uh, a whole bunch of the guys said, oh, we're going to go over and we're going to run Canberra half marathon. That was my first serious uh, half marathon race. Um, and uh, I went over there and ran that way. I think we ran like an hour 38 or something like that. And it was just like the best experience. I, I remember a guy abusing me because I, I was talking too much through the race. A guy threw a bottle at me. No kidding. Like, Shut up. Because Mr. Have a chat, like I've got so many words to use. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I never really set out to, 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 I never knew that I was ready to go from the five to the 10, from the 10 to the, to the half, from the half to the marathon, from marathon. It, it's always been as a result of hanging around people that that's what they would, oh, I'll do that. And because then I got it in my head of, of just, you know, I wrote in my diary many, many years ago that I'd like to run a hundred marathons. Mm-hmm. And so I set about, you know, accumulating marathons. Now, understand people might be listening to man, that guy's pretty good. Well, no, man, I've run everything from like three and a half hours to seven and a half hours. And every time imagine all in between, you know, and, and it's the same as ultras. You know, the only reason I fell into those ultras was I was hanging around with some guys who were running ultras. We had the Glasshouse uh, Trail Series, which is just up the road from me in the Glasshouse Mountains, where a lot of these ultras were being held. And it was just, if I'm going to enter, that they, they offered like a 25K um, or a 30K or, or the 50K ultra. Well, me being me, I'm like, do the longest race on the day. Yeah. So I, I never really knew um, that I was ready for any particular distance. I never knew. I never planned on moving up. It was just as a consequence of being around people, which is why I'm so strong on saying if you're struggling, find yourself a local running group and they will carry you. They will absolutely carry you to where it is, you know, you want to go or you need to go or you end up going. Absolutely. And that that is so important. And, um, you know, the community, and I know it's another cliche, but they say iron sharpens iron, right? But I kind of like your Amen. analogy. I, I like your analogy a little bit better, whereas, you know, the people will carry you when you need it. And I, I had the pleasure recently of uh, of actually having Kadivas Robinson. He's a two-time American Olympian, 800-meter runner. And he was yeah. in the 04 Olympics and the 2012 Olympics. And, and one of the things he said that's resonated with me was, you know, you should look at what gifts you have, develop them, multiply them, and share them with others. And he was saying, and one of the things he said, he said it was because I might need it one day as himself, right? And it's so important. Like if you get into a running group and you're struggling and they carry you through that struggle, one day, eventually down the road, you're going to be the next man up and you got to carry somebody along. You know what I mean? So that community aspect is so important. And I think so many of us, when we first start off running, we think that uh, we need to be the lone wolf. We need to be by ourselves and, and have that grit and determination. And that's great. And I think we all need to have a little bit of that. But when you can get in to a community of runners or even, even a small group, two, three friends that you run with on a regular basis or keep in touch with, it's definitely going to help you along the way. Yeah. Grit and, grit and determination will help you over a kilometer or maybe a 5K running race. Uh, that's grit and determination because like, you know, when I was running, uh, you know, my, my project PB, when I set out to try and run 20 minutes for 5k as an old geezer, um, you know, that, that was all just on pure grit. That's a case of just arcing it up to a certain heart rate and just being able to hang on for that 22 minutes that I ended up, what it was, I ran 22, 10 or something like that. So that's a case of just arcing it up to a certain heart rate, a certain discomfort level, and being tough enough to just hang on for 22 minutes until the finish line arrives under your feet. You can't do that in a half marathon or a marathon. You, you really need those people around you to, to carry you. There are, look, don't get me wrong. There are people out there that can go out and just run 21 kilometers on pure grit and determination. But for, for 99% of us, man, we need that, 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 you know, those people around us to carry us. And that's why it's so important that, you know, you produce content, I produce content because in some way, shape or form, you know, we might be able to just help somebody else, you know, get to that finish line. 
you know, just by just by this conversation we're having right here, right now. I know uh, the one thing I've learned with podcasting, man, is somewhere around the world there will be someone that will hear the words that are coming out of your mouth and my mouth, and it will click for them, and they'll go boom. They'll go out tomorrow. They'll run. They might only run a mile or two, but it'll change their life forever. You Absolutely. never know who's listening, man. Yeah, you never know, and that's that's so true, so true. Um, so I want to ask you, you, you bring up a good point, you know, that grit and determination will take you over some shorter distances. Um, so let's, let's talk about half marathon, for example. So beyond the grit and determination and, and training leading up to the event, somebody who's running a half marathon, what, what are some good strategies that you would recommend employing to get you through that race? Like, do you break the race up into certain distances do you, you know, do you start off slow and then get into a groove and then try to pick up the pace at, at a certain point? Like as, as a coach of, you know, somebody who's been coaching for, um, well, since 1983, what kind of tricks and tips have you learned along the way? Or what do you recommend to your athletes? Okay. First thing you got to work out is you got to work out, you know, the player that you're dealing with. Um, you know, so you give me 10 people, there'll be 10 different ways of getting those people uh, to the finish line. And there'll be 10 different tips and tricks for each of those people to get them to the finish line. So that's the most important thing from a coaching perspective. And that's why I, I, you know, I've never been a cookie cutter coach. Um, there's a million training programs out there on the web. Some are great. Some are not so great. Um, there are some great coaches out there. There are some not so great coaches. But the thing that you've got to learn first up is who am I dealing with? So uh, Shawnee comes to me and uh, Smithy, I want to run the half marathon. Uh, we've got eight months to train. Um, this is what I've been doing. This is my plan. And I've really got it in my heart to run a half marathon. I've got to find out who you are before we even start training. So there's this process. And because what happens is you as the athlete, man, you just want to get on with it. No, no, give me, give me the program. What, what am I doing on Tuesday? What sessions am I doing? Well, hang on, I've got to get to know you first because I don't know whether you are a person that needs to go out slow and come home strong. If you look at Mrs. Coach, Mrs. Coach and I are two vastly different athletes. The longer the race goes on, the stronger Mrs. Coach gets, mm-hmm. as, as most girls do. You know, girls are good over distance. Um, you know, so I, I've got to work out whether you're the, the guy that's going to start out slow and come home strong or whether I need to, to send you flying out of the gates and then just hang on with your, with your grit and determination or whether um, you're a, a, a figure, you know, a data type of guy where I need to have you working on specific splits for every kilometer of that race or if you're like me who i'd just rather not know i'd rather just go out have a good time laugh and giggle and you know get to the half marathon mark pardon me so we've got to work out who the player is that's the most important thing first and foremost so once we know the player then you can come up with all the different tips and tricks that i've used so that that's why it's it's a very hard question to answer but that that's how I go about it. I, I find out who the player is. Sometimes I can figure that out in one or two training sessions. Sometimes it might take me a month to figure the person out. Um, but the key things I look for, are you someone that needs splits? Are you a, a Garmin type of guy or are you a non-watch guy like me? Do you run, you know, are you a Steve Prefontaine? You just run purely on instinct and heart. One of the things that's driven people around me mad for years is I can be running along and I can pretty much accurately, almost to the second, predict the pace we're running at. I can be running along out in the middle of nowhere, and someone will say, oh, how far are we going? I go, oh, we've gone 15 and a half clicks. 
or how far to go? Oh, we've got 12 to go. And people go, I have rubbish. And Mrs. Coach will tell you, she'll vouch for it. The amount of times I've, I've said we're running at five-minute pace and with no watch on, Mrs. Coach will look at her watch and go, you smart. <laughs> That's me. So I can, I, I can go without a watch. You might be the Garmin guy. You've got to have this. So I've got to work that out. Once you know that, it's very easy to come up with a plan. Yeah. You know, so for someone like me, the tips and tricks I would be giving this guy is that we're going to do a ton of speed work. We're not going to worry about running distance. We're just going to do tons of one, 2K repeats. We're just going to have fun, run hard, run fast, run short, have a giggle, and then send me off to run my half marathon. Yeah. Someone like you, with if you're a data guy that's got to have accurate splits and a proper written, you know, very subjective, very complicated plan, we would produce that. And for someone like uh, the, the data guy, we would have a very long, slow build up. We would get some distance into his legs, make him feel like that he's following a very dedicated program of gradual increase, gradual increase of load, the usual structure of, of you know, get some, get some base into this person, then get some speed into the person, get some power into the person, taper them off and, and send them out to run. So I hope that kind of gives you an idea of where I have tips and tricks, but it's the tips and tricks are very relative to the person that I'm trying to get to the finish line, if that makes sense. So, you know, that you makes, know. makes absolute yeah. sense. And you, you, I think you hit the yeah. nail on the head, having um, individualized programs for each person, getting to know them. I think that makes so much sense to me because like you said, you, you can put out a cookie cutter plan and, you're going to be selling people short because it might not be what's best for them at that point. So it just highlights the importance of having a coach with you as well, too, because, you know, you can be the kind of individual that's just going to, I'm going to go online. There's so much information out there right now where you can just go along and pick this plan. Here's a marathon plan. Or here's a half marathon plan. I'll pay five ninety nine for this or whatever it is. And, and you follow that plan and you may not be getting the best um, bang for your buck. You may not be, getting to your potential because this plan's not necessarily for you and to have somebody else from the outside looking in they can really and if they have that experience like you do they can figure out what's going to be best for you at that point yeah and look you know most of those plans online will get you close mm -hmm. um you know and, and it's better than nothing um and uh you know it, it's all good stuff but honestly man it's um and it, it look you know it's um it's very hard to explain because you've got to sell. You've got to sell the person on the idea that, that look, I can help you because I've got all this experience. I, 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 you know, I'll work out what sort of person you are and what sort of runner you are. Uh, and again, you know, you, you, you look at the guy. If, if a guy comes to me and he's five foot two and five foot wide, the guy's, you know, a, a few pounds overweight, a totally different prospect to the guy that turns up that's, you know, uh, six foot, um, he looks like an Ethiopian. He's got these huge long legs on him that I know he's just built for. He's built for that half to to marathon distance, you know. So again, you've got to you've got to look at the person. It's it's, and then all the tips and tricks come. You know, I've learned some some tremendous stuff over the years of how to get people, um, you know, trained up to do that half distance. But I think if if I was to if I was to say, look, here's here's my version of what you should do. Um, if you want to train for the half marathon, um, I think irrespective of the type of runner you are, the type of person you are, number one priority is have some fun with it. Don't take it serious. 
do tons of speed work. Don't worry about trying to run the distance on the day, uh, on the days leading up to the race. Run the distance on the day, have a heap of fun, do a heap of speed work, get yourself as fit and as strong as and fast as you can, and the day will take care of itself. I, I've said for years that the fact that you enter and turn up on the day, that's going to add 10% to your effort. You know, you mm-hmm. you get there on the day, the crowd's there, the adrenaline's flowing, you've you've trained, you've had a bit of a taper or something, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna go five or ten percent better on the day anyway, just based on the sheer adrenaline factor. So, you know, if I was if I was to give, you know, one overall advice for someone training for the half, don't take it serious, have fun. Um, you know, it's not a it's a life changing experience, but it's not a life ending. You know, it doesn't matter you fail, boom, there's another race next week. You know. Yeah. But have fun, do tons of speed work. Don't worry about running too much distance. Definitely don't try and cover the distance before the race. Put a smile on your face and go out there and just go hard, man. And um, you know, don't don't go too hard at the start, but go out solid, you know, and and, and just hang on a little bit in the midsection where you really feel like, geez, you know, you hit that sort of eight, nine, ten K and it's like, oh man, this is hurting a bit now. But just get through to that sort of 14, 15, 16 K all of a sudden, oh man, we've only got four K to go. Let's go, buddy. Yeah. And you know, you'd be surprised just how if you've done all that speed work, just how hard and fast you can go over that last four or five K. Um, as opposed to I've seen so many people over the years do lots of distance, you know, the old LSD, long slow distance. Yeah. But they get to the 15k mark and they're at the they're at the high end of the rev range they're going as fast as they're ever going to go and they've just got no they've got no go in their legs so yeah. you, you know, know you I guess that's, that's you know yeah you you brought up so many good points there and i want to touch on a few of them so i remember some advice you had given over a show one time where you know this this goes back to knowing the runner right and and i knew i learned for myself anyways until i get to like you know three or four k under my legs i'm it takes me that long to kind of warm up and feel loose and feel good and get into a rhythm. And you had mentioned on one of your shows way back that uh, whether you were running a marathon or half marathon, you know, people didn't want to kind of warm up or jog around a bit. And you you had mm. said, I think your words were, you know, you can run more than 42.2. You don't have to just sit there and wait for the race to start. You can run 45, 46 kilometers, make sure you're warmed up if you need to. And, and a couple years ago, Actually, it was last year when we were still having races. Um, I went to the Barry waterfront. They had a half marathon and a 10K. So I went with my buddy who works for Honda, which was a sponsor. And uh, we got into the race and we ran the 10K together. And he said, you know, I told him we'd run together. He said, no, just go run what you can. So I said, all right. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a good effort in here. But knowing that I needed some distance under my legs to warm up and knowing you know, in the back of my brain hearing you say, no, you know what, on the race day, you can run further than the race. <laughs> just, you know, such, such a simple saying, but something you don't think about. So I spent some time warming up just slow and getting my body warm. And they were kind of looking at me like, Sean, you're going to tire yourself out before the run. I said, no, I'm good. Don't worry. I could run more than 10 K. So, and you know, I, I almost had a, I was like a few seconds shy of my PB for that 10 K. So uh, it Amen. really did. It, it really did help. Amen. Yeah. You know, I, I tell the story of uh, I was part of a very successful triathlon team. And, you know, we were only a group of, of five or six guys, I think, at the biggest. And we targeted the Olympic distance races. So for people that are not uh, familiar, an Olympic distance triathlon is 1,500-meter swim, um, 40K bike ride, and a 10K run, the Olympic distance. Okay. So our warm-up for an Olympic distance event, we – 
would and we would do it in reverse so we would uh, get on the bike first and we would ride as much as 10 or 15 kilometers then we'd get off the bike and we would run as much as three or four kilometers maybe even five a solid five hit out and then we would come back and we would swim and we would swim until the race started now we used to always get into trouble because they'd be trying to pull us out of the water because we were still swimming, warming up because we wanted to, when they fired the gun, we wanted to be ready to go. Our body had been through, and look, we've all had it. You know, when you first go out to run, you get that, that, that first wind, you know, we call it, we get, you get your second wind, you know, you sort of go out and you start training, your heart rate goes through the roof. You feel like your heart's going to leap out of your chest. You're breathing like an old locomotive, but 10 or 15 minutes later, that settles down and you, get what we call like your second wind and you start to get in all of that is is now your body is oxygenated you've got this nice oxygen rich blood running through your body you started to metabolize some of your fuel stores your your body is ready to go so here we were we were virtually doing a sprint distance triathlon as a warm-up before we started the olympic distance triathlon now the end result of that was as a team, we never finished off the podium in five years. Wow. Well, that's a streak. Well, you, like, that's not saying how good we were because we were pretty average. Like we had uh, my buddy Brad Carlefield was part of the crew. He ended up going on to be a world number one um, a triathlete, won a gold medal at the uh, Com Games in uh, here in Australia in triathlon. Um, but the thing that we were, as soon as they fired that gun, we were oxygenated. We had fuel surging through our body. We were warmed up. We were in the groove. We were already in our race groove. So when they fired the gun, we just disappeared into the distance. And we become known as the swim bikers because we would kill them in the swim, smash them in the bike, and then we would just all hang on in the run. Right. We would generate such huge leads off the bike. And, you know, that's what we did because we warmed up. And, and, I've, and it's been a, a, a key thing that I've done with all our athletes is, and look, I'll give you another, this is another one of our tricks and it's something I've de- developed for many, many years. The general rule of thumb at the moment is you train, you go through all those different phases of training, then you taper and you turn up and race on race day. Right. Yep, that's what we normally do. Okay, can you remember the last time you had a few days off training? What did you feel like the first day back? Um. You feel you feel fresh, I think, for the most part. Um, you know, there there have been some days where you take some time off, and uh, I know for myself, I might feel like I need I need to warm up a little bit more. But for, I think for for the general answer, I would say you feel you feel pretty fresh. Yeah, most people, you you look around, most people, you have a day or so off, and you come back. That first training session or the first day of training is horrific. You feel sluggish. You can't get going. You feel like you're out of sorts. We don't do that. What we do is we take our taper or our rest a week out from the race. And then we train. And again, when we, when we had that streak going, we would train right up. Our hardest training days were on the Thursday, Friday before a Saturday race. No kidding. So we would take our rest the week before. So we would finish a block of training. And so, for example, our rest would be the Saturday, Sunday, Monday, the week before the race. And then we would we would come back to training on the Monday afternoon, and we train hard. Uh, Monday afternoon was an easy session. Tuesday morning, easy session. Then we would go hard Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, race on Saturday. 
So by the time we got to the race on Saturday, we were at full steam. And that's something that we still do with our athletes to this day. I do not taper any athletes. We give them a solid rest, but, you know, way before the event. And then the race day becomes just another part of a training block. Right. And so people are on fire when so we rest them early. A lot of people disagree with me and a lot of other coaches find, uh, you know, they find fault with me doing that, but it's been hugely successful. Again, for those athletes that sell out to that concept, it's been hugely su- successful for them. Wow. Because and the only reason I created that in my head was because I'd have a bit of time off training and I'd come back and I'm like, oh man, this is hard. I felt pretty good a week ago. And then it t- would take me a session or two to get going. And so I'm thinking, well, screw that, man. I'm not doing any more of this taper stuff. I'm going to have a rest after the last training block. And then I'm going to train solid into the race. And we started doing that. It proved, it proved hugely successful. And it still works for a lot of people that I train this day. I don't, especially with fighting uh, in the fight game. Um, I don't take time off, uh, you know, especially when you're trying to cut weight. Big thing that we, we struggle with is cutting weight. Because yep. um, we usually have pre, pre-fight weigh-ins, so the day before. Um, so I find the easiest way to control that is we just train hard up into the fight. Now, you don't need to go crazy, but, you know, the race day or the fight day or your grading day is just another day in that small block of training. It's not, and and that takes the, it doesn't make it so, um, you know, when I said before about don't take the event serious. Mm -hmm. If you leave that event standing on its own by tapering for it, then you go to the, you go to the registration and, and you go to the, to the, uh, the, the fair and everything they have around the event. It makes the event very special and that's great, but what it does, it makes it very special. It's, it's an isolated event in your head. Whereas if you just group it into a block of training, it's just another day out there on the, on the grind, man. Oh man. You know what? For everybody listening right now, you got to write that down because this this is what they call you know audio gold. That uh, that taper strategy the week before and then racing hard it it's something that wouldn't have ever occurred to me. But you know you uh, provoke some thought in my mind. And it, it, to me, it makes a lot of sense. And I may be completely wrong here, but you know our training that we do it causes you know adaptations within our bodies, right? Right down to the cellular level, and then those adaptations kind of take place during rest so to to rest you know train hard and then have a week off of rest or or, you know recovery a week before the race and then get back into it it makes so much sense you're allowing your body to kind of recover to let those adaptations kind of take hold and then you and then you start using them leading up to that race and your body's ready to go that that is uh that's good stuff that's why if you watch you watch professional athletes when they taper see the trouble is for most of us, we take tapering as, oh, we just stop. Yeah. We just rest. We, 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 we put our feet up, eat burgers, you know, drink the beer. No. <laughs> if you watch professional athletes, they taper in a very specific way where they keep the body on song or in tune. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 they roll into the event, and that's what I've always tried to do. I roll into the event, whether it's a fight, whether it's a race. Um, you know, that's not to say you have to do that for everything. There's sometimes you just, just turn up and do the event. Like you've heard me say it a million times, like you can go out and run a marathon tomorrow morning if you want to, like yep. it might take eight hours, but what's it matter? Just go out and do it. You know, yep. there are times when you can just, just do the event for the sake of doing the event. But 
for very key events in my life. Um, in these later years, I've rolled into that event at full steam. And that all goes back to that, that experience we had when we had a bunch of us training as a triathlete uh, team, as a triathlon team. And uh, some of the lessons that we learned uh, then and we experienced then um, uh, live with me to this day. And there's still training principles that I apply to this day. And they, uh, they've stood the test of time for me, man. Well, and to quote a friend of mine, Dave Kempston, motion is lotion. You keep on moving. Oh, yeah, baby. Just roll right into it. I love it. Ah, it's such good stuff, Jeff. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I wanted to touch briefly on, I know we're kind of getting long here, but I want to let you know, one of the things you inspired me to do, like you mentioned your your uh, your project PB, and I love those little things that you do to kind of challenge yourself and to make a little series about them on the show. And it's it's great listening. It's great to see how they turn out. I kind of taken a page from your books and I recently wrote an article. It's up on my website about uh, uh, creatine supplementation and how it can actually help you improve endurance. And the way I kind of went about it was looking at uh, hit training or high intensity interval training, right? Which can correlate to running by, by running sprint intervals at the track. Right. And um, the, the creatine from what I read, and it's been a well-researched topic here is it'll help add, phosphate to your energy system to help you produce more ATP, help it be more readily. So which can, in theory, help your explosive power, which can help fuel your intervals. And, you know, there's been a lot of research now saying that that HIT training will make kind of the same adaptations to your body as a high volume, uh, low intensity, steady state kind of training. So I kind of wrote an article about that showing how, you know, you can use that type of training with that supplement to help improve the HIT training and overall improve your endurance for the longer events. So I'm gonna take myself to task and I bought a tub of the creatine the other day and I'm gonna go head out to the track next week. And I'm gonna do some 400 meter repeats with two minutes rest and uh, record those times down. And then I'll, I'll take a week off and just do my regular running. And, uh, but during that week, I'll do kind of my loading with the creatine and get that into my system. And then I'll head back to the track and repeat the process and see if there's any difference uh, and repeat it a few times, but repeat it a few times. Yeah. Because one of the things, and so look, and again, I've been I've been pretty uh, vocal on my use of supplements over the years, all, uh, all legal supplements, of course. I'd love to get hold of some of those legal stuff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a bit too dangerous, man. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, Mrs. Coach and I have been great believers in, I don't care whether it works or not. I don't care whether creatine works or not. As long as I believe it works, then, you know, who's it hurting? You know, who, who's it hurting? So, but one of the things I have learned is that there is a, a fairly long delay with some of us between when we start to ingest a material on a regular basis until we see the result. So what I would do is, and, and, I, and I would repeat that cycle a few times, um, just out of interest to yourself yeah. and, and see over a long period and keep ingesting that creatine as you go. Um, Cause a week might not be enough, but you know, repeat that cycle over, a, over a month to, to six weeks, man, that'd be an interesting. And that comes back to what, you know, when I, I create these projects half the time, I'm just looking for something that'll stretch me over a month or two because all of a sudden I don't have to think for a month or two. I'm just doing project PB. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. And, and that's, that's so, yeah. Yeah. That's so great advice. Project, to... go yeah, ahead, go project ahead. creatine could go, 
you know, so all of a sudden you've got a long and you'll consequently, you'll end up doing all this training over a period of months, but you're just testing creatine, you know, but it, it gives you, it, it takes you, it takes you a couple of months down the road. Absolutely. It's, it's, it. it's a Love good it. way to kind of carry yourself through. And, and even, you yeah. know, theoretically, even if I'm not doing the creatine, but if I'm getting out to the track and doing this interval training, I should improve anyways. Exactly. Know? Exactly, you know? man. Exactly. So it'll, exactly. It'll be interesting. So I, I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to actually ex, um, expand on that. And maybe I'll go to the track a few times without the creatine supplementation, just to see how I do. And then, like you said, I'm going to, I'm going to use the whole tub. I paid for it. I may as well use it. And while I'm using it, just kind of keep track of that and, and see what the results are at the end. It'll be interesting to see. To see the data yeah. I, we've had we've had huge success with it here in the past yeah yeah so, it, it's been um you know but then again if you look at the handful of supplements that i take man it's like you know i, I get it all the time you know it, it's the one thing that you know you could say you're taking a performance enhancing drug and people don't even look at you half as bad as when you say you're taking a multivitamin Right. Oh, they're a waste of money. That's rubbish. That's just, you know, you're just making expensive urine. Well, I'd, I'd much rather go, I'd much rather go to 105 with expensive urine um, than, you know, kill over at 65 with, uh, you know, clean urine with no supplements. You know what I mean? Like I just, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff, not necessarily hurting you, whether it works or not, I don't really care in my head. I feel better for taking it. I know as soon as I drop off my supplements, um, man, I can feel it. I can absolutely feel it within a matter of days that I'm just not on song, you yeah. know, and, uh, and especially as I'm getting older, man, I need, <laughs> you know, there things are starting to creak and groan and, and I really need to stay on top, um, you know, of, uh, of my supplements. Yeah. And you know what, you, you bring up a very good point, whether they work or not, like you said, you don't really care, but you know, there's a lot of, uh, go back to the cliche, the mind over matter thing or the placebo effect. If it makes yep. you feel better, it makes you feel like it's giving you a benefit. Like you said, it's not hurting anybody and you're still benefiting from it regardless of, of if, if it's, you know, quote unquote working or not. So uh, there's, there's yeah. definitely something to that. And you, you know, you, uh, you provoked a thought in my mind again. So with this whole project creatine or the creatine experiment, as I called it, I think the, the big test too, because my, my claim in my article is that it will help improve your endurance. So once I'm done this process of, of doing the track work and everything and doing the hit training, I think at the very end of it to end off the project, I'll go out and maybe run a half or, or a marathon and compare that to my previous best time to see if I did improve my endurance. I think that'll be interesting. Yeah. You know, absolutely. man, Absolutely. Yeah. And look, I, I, I just love those little projects, you know, and, um, and that's why I'm always looking for the next one. You know, like a, a little while back, I did a three-week fight camp. Now, I didn't have a fight to go to, but I just decided to do a three-week fight camp um, because I was looking for some uh, results. You know, I needed to lose a few pounds. I, there was a couple of things I wanted to work in, work on in my fight game. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, what it did, it got me three weeks down the road. And, and what price that? And that's why I've had these little projects over the years. You know, it's like it, it's um, – it's not to try and necessarily better be better than the other guys. Just like, it just gets me further down the road. And then if it's getting me further down the road, um, like I said before, man, you'll do that, 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 that project creatine. People will watch that. People will follow that. People will listen to that. And all of a sudden they'll be a few weeks down the road as well. And you've helped someone else just get another few weeks of training under their belt. 
Yeah, it's, it's so true. And, you know, it's what better time to kind of do these little projects or these little training camps with lockdown and everything. And, you know, a lot of the races have been canceled and all that junk. And why not experiment and try to change things up and, and bring some interest into what you're doing instead of just kind of going through the through the motions? Yeah, amen. Yeah, so amen, brother. Change up, change up all the time. Absolutely. So speaking of projects, I want to I want to ask you, do you have any future projects coming up? I know you touched a little bit on the book face, as you call it lately, about uh, <laughs> some of the scamming, uh, you know, self-defense programs and stuff out there. But what have you got on the on the burner? Man, I've got so much going on in my head. It, it's not funny. You know, I, um, I, I've still got tons of content to produce. You know, I'll be producing the, you know, my, my running podcast, the Coach Jeff podcast and and all the other shows we do, I'll be doing that for, for years to come yet. Um, I'm with my Muay Thai. Um, you know, my big thing this year was this whole old guy Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely chomping at the bit. I want to, I want to get to Thailand, the home of Muay Thai. And I want to jump over the ropes and fight another old guy in a Muay Thai fight in the home of Muay Thai in Thailand. Call me crazy. Call me a silly old man who's, you know, suffering. But that's, you know, that's my big thing going forward over, over the next couple of years is, is to continue fighting well beyond, you know, 65, 70, 75, 80. I'd love to be 80 and still, you know, find someone else that's 80 and, and, and wants to bang for a few rounds. So, you know, that's one of the big things I've got on the burner. Um, with my Muay Thai, I'm working on a whole bunch of things behind the scenes. My Muay Thai for beginner series um, uh, is something we're working on. Uh, I'm working on a, a book for that as well. I've started to uh, write another book. Um, Wonderful. And this one's, yeah, this one's going to cover, uh, it's not going to be so much, um, you know, sports related. It's going to cover a lot of um, my life that I haven't talked a lot about on the shows, my my time working on these tactical teams and things like that. Um, enough time's gone, uh, you know, past now that I can talk about that stuff. Um, I want to talk particularly about some of the guys I worked with and, and some of the things that I experienced um, looking at the, the dirtier, seedier side of life. So, you know, I've started to to um, uh, put that together. I also want to write another version of Running for Donuts because nice. um, there's so many other great stories. And I, and I think that was the thing that I loved about doing Running for Donuts was being able to bring the stories of you guys, you know, the, the, the running tribe community, bring that to life in the book while telling a little bit of my running background. So there's another copy of Running for Donuts, uh, you know, still Running for Donuts or something. I'm not sure what we're going to call it yet. I'm doing another book talking about some other aspects of my life. Um, I'm really super focused on fighting going forward. Uh, you wouldn't think of it at the moment. I'm 20, uh, 20 kilos overweight, and not I'm not in uh, I'm not in prime fighting shape as we speak, man. But uh, I'm working on that at the moment. So Muay Thai is going to be a big thing going forward, um, and there's a whole bunch of content that I'm doing around that, um, mate. There's so much going on. You know, I've got a lot of projects going on. Uh, I also have in my mind that I want to revisit um, uh, Project PB. Uh, again, and I'm not necessarily 5K this time. Um, I, I I had a great love for the 400 meter, and I've always loved 400 meter runners. There's been some great Australian 400 meter runners, Kathy Freeman winning a gold medal in Sydney, uh, Darren Clark, a whole bunch of guys that were were tremendous over the 400 meter. So I'm thinking that uh, somewhere because that fits nicely with my running for fighting. 
Um, yeah. When I run for fighting, because uh, most of our rounds, uh, you know, at, a, at an elite level, they're three-minute rounds. For us older guys now, they're cutting them right back to two-minute rounds, sometimes even in a minute and a half. So, you know, I get three two-minute rounds. That's a, that's a, a speed work for you and I. You know, that's interval training. So um, one of the things I'm, I'm I'm toying with the idea of getting back into some reasonable shape over Christmas, as we always do, that Christmas, the new period, we'll come up with something like we did last year, the 330 and 300 or something like that, and we'll hit 2021 running. But I'm thinking that somewhere along that early part of 2021, I'm going to create another Project PB, but it'll be over 400 metres. I'm looking um, forward to hearing so, about that. That's a good one. Yeah, because I've always loved that, uh, and I think – uh, the, if I was to say what sort of a runner am I, um, I'm good at that, that sort of, you know, up to 5k, 10k, I'm 10k. I'm not all that good. I think the fastest 10k I ran was 39, 38 or something like that. Uh, somewhere around there. I think, you know, not that fast. Um, and I drop off, especially when I go half a marathon, Mrs. Coach can, can take me to lunch, you know, over a marathon. She's, she's really, really good. Um, but I think I'm a I'm a I'm a, a 400 meter to maybe 1500 meter. I think my fastest uh, 1500 was for let me think 538 or something like that. I think. Oh wow! Pretty fast, you know, fast for me. You know, it was like <coughs> so. You know, I, I think I'll I'll revisit Project PB and go over 400. We are writing a um. Uh, a, a small ebook on Project PB, my my attempt to run 5K, putting that 5K training program down in writing so we can make that available to people. So much stuff going on, you know. Most 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 64, 65 year olds, mate, we're just thinking about you know what's on for afternoon tea. But my head just goes, it's it's like it just spins out of control. Some days I've got so much going on that I still want to achieve with my life and do with my life. And, and, and man, I need to go to 105 just to fit it all in. So there's lots to come, brother. There's lots of, um, you know, and, and guys like yourself producing content that fires me up, man. It, it, I'm telling you, you know, when I hear you talking about uh, doing an experiment with creatine, man, that fires me up, you know, like, it, it, you know, I don't see you doing a running podcast as competition and, and you, and you will have experienced this in the podcasting world. People are so frightened of someone else starting a podcast mm-hmm. that, uh, that my listeners might go over and listen to his show. Mate, I encourage it because it's like I, I get I get motivation and inspiration from what you're doing. Thank you know, you. so Thank you. and and you know, you know, I, I mean that, I mean that sincerely, man. I really do. I really appreciate that, and it just goes to show it. It all circles back, you know. And if you want to trace this back, you know, Steve Runner inspired you. You inspired me. Hopefully there's somebody out there that I'll be able to inspire, but it, it all circles back. There's a lineage there. And, and some of the, some of the best podcasts that I've, that I enjoy listening to have been recommended to me by podcasts that I'm already listening to. So it's important to share and, and get the word out there. Like you said, who cares about competition? If you can help a viewer or a listener rather find something that they're going to connect with, because, you know, you come on to my show and maybe somebody's going to listen to you and say, I'm going to listen to this guy. And they're, they're enhancing their life where they're running because now they're listening to you and they heard it through me. That's amazing. I've had another podcaster on the show, Athena from the UK in London, and she has a finding my fit podcast, you know, and then I got to, to go on her show once. So it's, it's, it's great to, to share it and spread it around because you never know what's going to help somebody. And that's what it's all about. Oh, amen. Amen. Like I, you know, I, um, 
I don't, I have too many don't go, mate. I'm down to only half a dozen listeners, mate. So if half of them bail out and go and listen to you, mate, I'll be down to three. So it's like, you know, I, mate, I don't, honestly, it's like, you know, I say to people all the time, man, like, don't be frightened. Don't feel like you have to listen to me because you, you've been part of the team for such a long time. Man, I've got, I've got hundreds of people that, that pop in and out all the time and they're like, oh, hey, Smithy, I haven't been listening for the last 12 months because you've, you've been off doing that silly fight and stuff you know mm-hmm. hey no problems go over there listen to shawnee man he's doing some great stuff you know it's like all ships rise with the tide brother so Absolutely. like i mean it's, it's, you know i love love the fact that you're in the game and you're producing content and and honestly man I, i'll be forever indebted to steve um a good buddy steve runner up there in boston uh you know for he did so much to help me and i dedicated running to donuts for him because he was the the impetus behind running for donuts, you know, with, uh, with a show he did. So mate, I love what you're doing brother. And, uh, and I, I truly mean it when I say you doing what you do fires me up, man. Oh, thanks Jeff. I really, I really appreciate that. So, you know, usually when I close off my show or have a guest on, I'll tell everybody to run wild. That's kind of the catchphrase we, <laughs> we, we picked up and I'll share that with you, but I would be so very honored coach Jeff, if you would close out the show as you normally do on the Coach Jeff podcast. Oh man, come on! You know how it goes. And look, it's we we it's on t-shirts now, man. It's been it on t-shirts. It's it like, is on t-shirts. Well, if if you but, give me permission, uh, I would I would love to do it. Then, no matter uh, where absolutely. you are on this world or in this world, um, you gotta train to race, race to win. But most importantly, have a heap of fun along the way. Amen, man. Amen. Train to race, race to win. But man, have a heap of fun along the way. (laughs) Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Trail Tales ARP. If you like our show, please help us out by subscribing to our show so you don't miss any new episodes. Also, by leaving us a review. And please visit trailtalesarp.com where you can get even more content. You can also follow us on Instagram at trail underscore tales underscore ARP on Facebook at Trail Tales ARP. See you next week.